This episode is sponsored by the International Espionage Conference. That's right, spies, lies, and nukes. Join the world-famous spy Valerie Plame and her highly decorated cadre of legendary CIA officers to learn more about the Afghanistan withdrawal, cyber warfare, masters of disguise, and so much more. We'd tell you, but then we'd have to, you know. For more information, go to www.spiesliesnukes.com and use promo code COCKTAILCONVOS, all lowercase and no spaces, for a 10% discount. Oh my God. So cute. The perm. The perm. Hey dude, at least you weren't a Chinese person with permed hair. I had a permed mullet, not to one up y'all. My brother had a rat tail that I pretended to curl and then burned off. Cruel to be kind. Welcome to the Cocktail Conversations. I'm Michelle Mitchell, and yes, that is an old camp photo we were looking at. So 80s perms. Anyway, we had just finished a kind of camp ourselves. When we started this podcast almost a year ago, we knew it wasn't going to be enough just to send out drinks and talk. I mean, that gets you pretty far, but we didn't want this to be a passive experience. We also wanted to bring people together in person and talk about tricky issues. Note I said talk and not shout. And we wanted to do it somewhere cool, which is how 12 people, and me, ended up in the Pacific Fishing Village of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. We had expert speakers like local environmentalists and fair trade specialists and international leaders in media and security. What we didn't have was yoga. I hate yoga. I checked in with three of the attendees recently, and we shook up for old time's sake an Escuadrón de Fuego Mexicano, the mezcal cocktail served up at our home base in Zihuatanejo, the Amuleto Hotel. I have to go get my bed. Hold up. That's Cass Lillian, a New York-based jewelry designer who you might remember from our crazy difficult episode as Badass Cass. I was going to be drinking meat in my nachos. I'm hungry now. That's Monica Adams, a human resources executive in Orange County, California. She and I have known each other since Mr. Murphy's sixth grade class, hence the camp photo. Monica came with her daughter, Maisie, who was also in Crazy Difficult. This was a perfect opportunity. It was like our send-off, the last trip that she and I could have together. I adore that kid. You're Maisie's BFF now, you know that. That's Shelby Trick. Shelby is an Atlanta-based biz dev executive who I first met in a chat room on Clubhouse. Three months later, she was at the retreat. My friends don't know you guys. They're like, well, how did you get in that? And I'm like, well, that's a long story. You got 30 minutes? Monica, you uh, you look like you want to say something. I feel like my life, my world is smaller than anybody else's who is in attendance. I don't do a lot of outreach. I'm not a creative. I don't stretch often. I've been stuck in corporate America for 25 years. Who would invite just a housewife from in HR? A lot of people. Monica, when I hear you say, why me? What am I offering? I mean, that's something that I've said, you know, I'm sitting in this room looking in this invisible resume of the people I'm with. We talked a little bit about imposter syndrome. It doesn't go away. Fake it till you make it. I've literally never had imposter syndrome. I do not know what you girls are talking about. (laughs) This was our first retreat. Well, it wasn't really a retreat. There was no wellness (laughs) or like I said, yoga. Again, I loathe yoga. We invited some of our most engaged audience to attend. In other words, people who already think there's something deeply wrong with where we are at as a country and want to do something about it. People see the problem, but then we all get tangled up in our own opinions, and I do it too. 
you know, and then I realized, whoa, I've been yelling at people on social media for a minute. Like, great. Okay. I got there with this idea that these were, you know, are safe people and I could be myself. That's exactly how I felt. There was no reason not to trust anybody who showed up. It was no small feat to show up for some. And you must have wanted to be there to do and grow somehow if you showed up. My stepmom said, were you guys preaching into an echo chamber? And I was like, not at all. I straight up made friends with someone that has a subscription to Garden and Gun. You know, Cass, I think we were sitting there by the beach and it was like we could not, at least on paper, be more like ideologically different. But yet you and I, every time we'd talk, we'd be like, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're not reading books during the pandemic either. Like, I don't know why I can't read. Yeah, I can't read either. <laughs> and like the weirdest things, it was like two peas in this weird pod. I thought it was just a great opportunity to sit with people of a different mindset and figure out how much we all have in common. So I think it was easy to be vulnerable. This world of influencers, right? This world of people who you trust them and then you wear what they wear and you trust their recommendations. Why do we give them influence? Michelle, I've given you influence over me because you've never given me reason not to trust anything that you've ever done. You, you want to talk to my mom about that? <laughs> <laughs> this gathering was billed as active participation. So everything was interactive. Even when we met with Zihuatanejo's mayor. When you remove your own politics, when you're not economically tied to the decisions, you can just like the person and you can just like what they're doing. It was a little freeing. And what all of these came down to in varying degrees was community, building real links between people that involved not just commonalities, but caring. What stuck with me and what continues to stuck with me mostly was the, the talk about fair trade and artisanship. And we talked about sustainability in the context of making smart purchases, you know, and, and doing it the right way and low waste, but also giving credit where credit is due to, to craftsmanship and artisanship and being fair about it. Because you guys remember the story that I told about, you know, bartering being a sport for my mom. That's how I was brought up. You always barter, you know, you, you gotta win. It's like a zero sum thing, right? And so now it's like, no, I'll pay whatever you ask. You know, and I'll seek out those, the finer things, I'd say. And things that strike a chord with you, like just that face that we bought, Michelle. Mm -hmm. That means so much to me, thinking about the story that went with it and the whole thing. It's not just buying for buying. It actually started making me ask myself, what's my relationship going to be with the rest of the world? How am I going to conduct myself and interact, not just, um, you know, over a drink, but in these other spheres as well, because... Your economic impact has such a reverberating effect. We also featured the participants themselves as speakers. We did these sort of mini discussions. And one of the big ones was mental health, especially depression, anxiety, and stress. At the beginning of the, the pandemic, I heard it. We're all in the same boat. And then it's, no, we're just all in the same ocean. A lot of people have better boats. One of my employees who is at wit's end, she's fighting depression, anxiety, and just all kinds of other stuff right now. In this day and age, on average, what, it probably takes six to 10 visits to different psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health providers to find that connection or trust. And so this is the scariest part. She says, you've been the most support to me. And I said, 
I'm your HR rep. I've talked to you like four times. She's not the only one. Like I've had, this is, the, this is the second day of the work week. And I've had three people crying with me, like losing it. I feel like we're on this precipice and thinking about our conversations there and about the mental health issues. I did a note in my car. I said, if we aren't focused on survival, then we have to be focused on living. And to be focused on living, you have to have a purpose because through the lack of purpose, you see some of the challenges that we're seeing today, because if you don't have one, a purpose-driven life, then you're going to come to other people's purposes and be used for their causes. And I feel like that's what's happening. We're struggling to find our own voices, but you know, whatever's happening in the ether, whether that's media, social media, I keep coming back to this idea. Like we've, you know, we're all searching for these things to latch onto, like on the back porch with my grandmother snapping peas, like who snaps peas anymore? That was like a normal thing. Sat on the back porch, you shucked corn and you split peas. We don't have to do those things as much anymore. You don't sit in these circles of people and you know, nourishment and, and we are getting away from so much of that. And I think that's what was running through my head when I started talking to my car. But look, we all know it's easy to talk about wanting to push back against the anger industrial complex, but how, how does this translate into action? That's the sticky part, right? I think one of the things that you and Cassa talked about was how do we carry this forward? I just like real sort of concrete call to action after whatever I do. So what I came up with was to tell 10 people about something that moved you on the trip. I thought it was so interesting. Lauren's talk about the huge positive impact of women in leadership, everything from police officers to government officials. The massive trickle-down effect, I did not know that. So I'm telling as many people as I can. Just the other day, I saw a woman police officer, and I thanked her, which she probably thought I was crazy. And then I went on my little rant about that woman having a huge trickle-down effect just by being there. You have to have that pillar of trust that's central, other people being available to tell and share their stories without it sounding like it's a, a panel, you know, and so, you know, being talked to instead of being in an intimate setting where you're talking, even if everybody's not like-minded and hopefully they're not, honestly, but I, how do you stop a moving train with one hand? You've really got to get a lot of people on the tracks. And the way to do that is to create more momentum in smaller areas. I once worked with someone who worked the NFL combine. So they run all of the gamut of physical agility tests and how, who can touch the highest and run the fastest. But he'd be like, that guy's not going to make it because that guy, he's going to wreck the group dynamic. He was this organizational industrial psychologist who could look into your soul. And like, how do you accelerate the curation of looking into people's souls and still like speed of trust kind of stuff. How do you accelerate the speed of trust? Okay, so check this out. This is when Shelby mentions a kind of cool and really interesting idea that riffs off of taking the conversations we had had at the retreat into our everyday lives back at home. I just wonder if some aspect of it is 
kind of little mini ambassadorships, you know, where it's kind of multiplying. Then we're talking about like a franchise model, right? Or ambassadors or whatever, to be able to, to kind of like infuse different areas. But you have to have that right dynamic. All of us are willing to put ourselves out there. It's a willingness to participate. You don't have to be the smartest in the room or have some amazing idea. You just have to be willing to participate and to try. Being willing to try. That seems pretty basic, but it sure offers more of a path forward than, say, remaining in the sucking whirlpool of fight or flight that the anger industrial complex wants us all to stay in. Here's my other question is, what are we going to call this thing? <laughs> it's not a retreat. What do we call it? It's also not a road trip because people have to get on planes. You and I came up with another word and now I, can't I know. remember it. Like um, camp cocktail conversation sounds like lanyards. Can you do salon in brackets EXT, like an extended salon? I kind of like calling it not a retreat. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sticking at this point. I Maybe mean, it's, it's NAR, N-A-R. I was about to say, like, it's a NAR. Yes, we are going to have more NARs. Don't say retreat. So follow us on Instagram at The Cocktail Conversations or on Twitter at The Cocktail underscore Convos or on Facebook for our announcement about future dates and topics. You can also find out more on our website, www.thecocktailconversations.com. I'm Michelle Mitchell, and I'm going to go get another glass.